The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and come before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you've extended your grace to us in in a way that's so lavish and generous, yet we are never, ever uh, merited in this glorious grace and mercy that you've given us. Thank you that you loved us enough, Lord Jesus, to pursue our heart, to set your course towards Jerusalem and not to be dissuaded or distracted from the Father's will, and, uh, and that you sought to rescue us, to ransom and save us, and at the same time model for us what it is uh, who it is that you are and who whose we are and, and, and how you would have us to live in light of uh, your saving grace and the love and mercy and the truth that you've imparted to us. Father, as we uh, as we share these needs and concerns and wants and desires and desire so many to be healed and uh, and others to be comforted and strengthened and encouraged, Lord, you know these things intimately beyond our ability to diagnose or understand or even but we, we desire to be your instrument, your body, in helping to minister to those that are just desperate for your help. Uh, help us to be your helpmate, Lord. Um, help us to, to submit to your ways and to, to want your will above our own. And, uh, and Father, we pray that you touch these cir- circumstances deeply and profoundly and that you'd use us to do it. Uh, We pray for our time together in your word this morning, that it would prepare our hearts for communion, that we would come ready to receive yet again and be reminded of your love and sacrifice, Lord. Um, But Father, I pray you'd seed our heart with truth in this moment, that we would overcome these difficult moments oftentimes that lead us to um, places of hurt and pain and and hatred and discord. Um, Lord, help us to know your will and way and how we can walk these things out so that we please you with the way that we live in love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, anybody ever uh, struggle with retaliation? No, I don't, no, no, no. So we'll just talk about like my struggle with it since you guys don't. So we'll just, I'll just kind of share what I'm kind of, you know, learned in this passage. But uh, we're going to look at, I've titled this this morning's message, um, Rejecting Retaliation. Um, and uh, this is a challenging concept that is uh, that is throughout the scriptures, um, throughout the, li- the the the, uh, the wisdom literature of Proverbs, um, and uh, and then Jesus comes and shows us and models for us. He said, "I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it." He came and modeled it to perfection. We see the pinnacle of this expression when he hung on a cross. You know, it says, "Cursed is a man that hangs on a tree," and he he became a curse for us that we might experience the the wonder and the glory of his presence. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus willingly chose a cross that was not his own. And, uh, and on that cross, he, he, he echoes these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what's amazing about that, these are the very ones that, were, that, that had orchestrated his crucifixion. These are the very ones that were mocking him in this moment. And yet he was willingly 
Like he, he literally orchestrated, he planted the tree that the cross would, you know, like it's amazing what Christ did in order to rescue those that, uh, that rejected and mocked and crucified him. And, uh, and, uh, so we're going to talk about what is, what does it look like to reject retaliation? Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we continue in our journey through the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 9. We're going to be starting in t- this morning in verse 51 and going through 56. Uh, this is a concise passage that really lights up with meaning and application. Uh, there's a lot of challenge here for each of us because uh, life can be challenging. Um, relationships can be difficult. And uh, our response to one another is so critical. So uh, let's uh, let's dive in here. This is in Luke uh, 9, 51 to 56, and it says, When the days drew near for him, speaking of the Lord Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Wow. Um, But he turned and rebuked them, speaking of Jesus, and they went on to another village. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart, that it would be pleasing in your sight, that you would lift these words off these pages and onto our hearts and change our directives, our hopes and desires that we would serve you according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, for most of us, we're, we're familiar with prejudice, with prejudging someone based on race, color, background. The list is long. Um, well, within the Jewish culture in the first century, there was massive prejudice, hatred uh, between the Jew and the Samaritan um, to the point where if uh, if a Galilean Jew was heading down to festival, they would literally go uh, as far east as going over the Jordan, going down uh, to the uh, to to be adjacent to the east of Jerusalem and then crossing the Jordan again to avoid Samaria um, this all originated uh, back in 722 um, BC. Uh, the Assyrians came in and they captured the northern kingdom, which was ten of the ten, ten of the twelve tribes of Israel, and uh, and they did it in, in in as they often did in horrific ways. Um, the capital being Nineveh. This is then uh, we know about the prophet Jonah who was uh, so um, familiar in a very personal way to the atrocities of the Assyrians that he didn't even, he didn't even want them. He knew that God would be merciful. <laughs> he knew the heart and nature of God, and he didn't want them to repeat. He didn't want them to experience God's grace and mercy. That's how bitter he was towards this Assyrian nation. And, uh, but what happened was the, uh, the ten tribes inter- intermarried. This was the agenda of the Assyrians to, to kind of overshadow their culture with theirs. Um, and, uh, and basically they would be considered by the pure Jews of the southern kingdom as being half-breeds or sellouts um, and, uh, and really disregarding God's command not to intermarry. And so, um, so that this, 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 this lasted hundred thousands of years 
um, and uh, and went on, or a thousand years anyway, almost, and uh, to the point where in 586 um, B- B.C., uh, the Babylonians came in, captured the southern kingdom, and uh, and that's where we get the name Jew from, because they were Judeans, and that's a Babylonian slang word for uh, this particular tribe, which we knew God would endure in, because the, the Lord Jesus was to be from the tribe of Judah. But this prejudice continued right into the first century, and there was just incredible hatred between these two. And it's so sad because they're, they're family, from ancestrally, they're family. Um, but this is not foreign to, to, to cultures, right? Native American, right? We see the BLM piece. We see, and this is, it's not foreign to most cultures around the world that we see this sad reality of prejudice. It's, it's prejudging someone. And so Jesus kind of confronts that. Now, did Jesus go around Samaria? No. Now we see in John chapter four, he heads right there. Um, and, and the disciples often don't understand it because that's how entrenched their, their paradigm was in this, in this, this cultural prejudice. And we have to be careful about those things. But what I want to focus is focus on is just is here is James and John's response to the prejudice, to the retaliation, to the hatred. Um, so James and John is a, were offended and felt that what's the use of having all this power if you don't use it on those who reject you? Uh, they 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 were putting words to their to their anger, if you will. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so upset, insulted, disrespected um, that that you you start to vocalize your anger and your frustration and say things often that you might regret? Um, can we regret our re- our reactions here in those moments? I mean, do you have an occasion where you spoke out of anger, you spoke out of frustration? You spoke in retaliation and regretted your comment, your statement. I've heard that words are like uh, toothpaste. Once they're out there, they can't be put back. You know, and we're told in James that uh, that our tongues are restless evil. Uh, James goes on to say that should cursing and blessing come from the same source? By no means, right? That uh, that we have to be careful about this little member uh, of our uh, of our body. That is, uh, that is often, it, it speaks of it directing our lives like a rudder or a spark of a fire. Um, so have you ever been hurt, feel, felt rejected, persecuted, disrespected, or insulted? How have you responded in those moments? You know, I, I, I often hear about it behind the wheel of a car. That's oftentimes where we have uh, we have an occasion for that opportunity, right? Because we feel buffered by the by the vehicle and the spacing, or behind a computer when someone doesn't say something that we uh, agree with or relate to. Um, but what is our ideal response? What what would what would the Lord want us to do? What would the Spirit provoke us to say and do in those moments? What did Jesus model for us? Um, in those moments. Let's look at a passage. In Matthew 5, 7 through 12, it says this. 
And, and before I get into this, this is like halfway through the Beatitudes. Um, we call it the Beatitudes because it's the blessed attitude. It's the attitude that, that, is, that is blessed. It is Christ's attitude. It's the ideal attitude. And often it doesn't kind of correlate or, or it's not heavily represented by our nature or our culture. So in verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Isn't it? We see this in in John chapter 8. Jesus did not throw stones. I mean, in in this occasion, there's a woman caught in adultery brought before uh, Jesus and, and their whole, I mean, this poor girl is a pawn in this scenario and she's possibly naked, totally ashamed, She's thrown at Jesus' feet and says, the law says if, if she's an adulteress, you're to stone her. What do you say? And what does Jesus say? You without sin cast the first stone. Well, I think that disqualifies everybody in the room except one, right? And it says the older ones leave first, right? They have a little bit more of a resume for these things. And, uh, and Jesus is left alone with her, we're told in the text. And she, he looks down, takes the initiative and says, does anyone condemn you? Nor do I. Go and sin no more. And based on his own, like, you know, he could have thrown the stone, right? You without sin. Jesus qualified in that criteria. And, and he didn't throw a stone. He chose to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart. Well, we must understand that this is not talking about innocence of heart. This is talking about an undivided heart. It's, it's pure in its intention and its pursuit of God. It's pure hearted towards a love for the Father in, in heart, mind, strength, and soul. And so blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. What happens when, when we're given a glimpse of him? is we're changed, we're transformed simply by his presence. We see this with Peter in in Luke chapter 5. And then the the, the Beatitudes go on to say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Jesus, was he a peacemaker? We're told in Romans 5 that he made peace. We were justified by his blood and we have, now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace, right? And so he's the one that, that ushers in this, uh, you know, there's a wall of hostility that Paul talks about between Jew and Gentile and he broke it down so that there could be what he talks about, a oneness, a harmony, a unity for the body of Christ. Verse 10 Blessed are those, and this is where it gets practical to our text. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now look, you might get persecuted for a lot of things in life that don't fall into the category of righteousness sake, right? You might do things that might even warrant persecution. But this is talking about when you do things uh, that would line up with righteousness, that would line up with the will of God, the heart of God, the truth of God's word, and that you are persecuted for that, we are told that this is the blessed life. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is the kingdom of heaven on earth today? Yes, right? Wherever God is, 
the heaven, that's where heaven is, right? And so God's spirit, the Holy Spirit resides in us. So where's the kingdom? In the church, right? Yeah, in the church. I love that, Amir. In the church, God's kingdom is on the planet. And so is, is God's kingdom powerful, right? And he wants to bring forth all of the hope of the kingdom, all of the resources of the kingdom to flow through from the head, through the body and into the world. We're, we're the hope of nations, Right? I mean, Christ is the hope of nations, but we are the instrument of that hope. And so it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Don't you feel blessed in that moment? It's such a blessing to be, you know, in that moment, right? To be reviled and persecuted and have evil things said about you. But this is the key, falsely on my account. Look, people can say evil things about you. If it's true, then you're not blessed by that. That's not a blessing to the Lord or anybody else. But when they, when they say these things about you falsely, on, my account, on Jesus says, on my account, that this, this is the blessed life. This is the life that, that we're called to on earth, but it's the life that God, God bestows his favor, grace, and blessing on Verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. That's our hope. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you, right? The the challenge there is that we we have a totally different paradigm. Like when the danger is when, when, when everything's about us or you or me, right? And people, you know, speak evil against us, man, it's challenging to, to return you know, kindness and love and prayer and in, in those circumstances. But Jesus says, like, I mean, how did Jesus respond to, I mean, did they call Jesus names and accuse him of even doing evil in Beelzebub's name? Like, they, they, they accused him of all kinds of things, and yet he died for them. He loved them. No greater love than this than a man laid down his life for them. Luke 6, 26 through 29 continues to speak to this. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. In other words, when, when you're not really speaking truth, when, when you're really just speaking for the, for, for the benefit of, of their affection and you just want their, like, you know, people are just going to speak well of you. But when you speak the truth in love, Oftentimes that comes with consequence, like the prophets experienced. But I say to you who hear, now, now let's, put, let's listen here. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes... I mean, like, listen, from the one who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. In other words, guy runs off with your jacket, go, whoa, 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 you you probably need a shirt. I mean, but but here's the point. Just, Just imagine those scenarios. Does it create a witness to those that are watching? When when someone curses you and you bless them in return? When someone abuses you, like Jesus said this in Matthew, in the same account, that in Ma- or the same message in Matthew, he says, he says, you know, 
If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners and tax collectors do that. But love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Then he uses his father as the example. He says, you know what my father does? He sends the rain and the sun, which are two pretty critical ingredients to agricultural context. He sends the rain and the sun on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Aren't you glad? Because I'm in the unrighteous category before Christ purchased me, rescued me. And now I'm righteous in Christ alone, right? And he sends it on both. Why? Because he desires that none. How many? None should perish. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those that abuse you. How was James and John doing in this moment? Right now, to their defense, like there's, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They've got Jesus's counsel that's with him. That's why Jesus said it's better that I go that he might come because we need an internal work. Right. Uh, we're desperate for our hearts got to be changed. And uh, and the other thing we got to realize is they you know, these are two of the guys of the three guys that were on the, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration just just recently. So they had seen Elijah and maybe that kind of triggered, you know, a Mount Carmel, you know, kind of remembrance. And they took it totally out of context, as we can often do. Romans twelve fourteen says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Got some questions for you. What does our nature desire to do in this moment? How's that go, Jerry? I mean, really, right? Doesn't your nature desire to retaliate? To you know, and the, the most dangerous weapon we have is not this; it's what's in our mouth. That is the most dangerous. You know, sticks and stones will break. That's a lie, because words are the most damaging. But we're we're called to use our words like God did to create, not to destroy. But our nature desires in this moment retaliation and vengeance. We might even justify it and sanitize it by saying we we desire justice, but it's on our own terms and to our own benefit. Another question, what does the Spirit desire to do through you in this moment? To love, to show kindness, to pray, to bless, right? And my question is, what does that require? I mean, the flesh has to be quenched in that moment and the Spirit has to be given full expression and that requires us submitting to the spirit that us because we we can't but he can uh, you know jerry and i have talked uh, about this many times after he was given this understanding and and we see it within our nature but we also see it in the animal kingdom right um, that we uh we have a tendency in moments like that to either fight flight or freeze you know you see the possum uh, so like, like, so we, and we, we similarly do the same things, right? We, 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 we respond in these ways. And, and really what we're called to do is none of those things. Not, not let our feelings lead the way, not let our flesh have full expression, but, but we're called to walk by faith and not by sight, to let the spirit lead and urge us. We were talking in class this morning. We know that, that uh, Psalms 119 tells us to, that we should, you know, verse 11, What does it say? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? 
And man, if this is a struggle for you, like, man, give, give, the, give the Holy Spirit some resources in your heart, in your mind. Man, meditate on God's word. We do a memory verse every single month, but man, and we want children are, are memorizing hundreds of verses. How are you doing at memorizing God's, at putting God's word in your heart? Because that's what the Holy Spirit will reference and bring to your mind. He says, I will lead you into all truth and remind you of everything the Lord has said. And that's, that's the, the counsel that we're so desperate for in those moments that get combative. Ever been in a combative moment with someone? You haven't driven today? Okay, so um, what does the Spirit desire to do through you? Love, bless, show mercy, forgiveness. Man, this very quickly tells us that this is a supernatural. I can't, but he can. This requires me submitting to his way, yielding my agenda, my desire, my, my nature to, to his spirit. If, if you want further counsel on, 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 on this whole line of thinking, go to Romans 8 today and just read through Romans 8. It talks about, you know, if you give into the flesh, that leads to death and destruction. If you submit to the spirit, it leads to life and peace. Um, so th- this, that's a, that's a, here's another question for you. How do we overcome our emotions or feelings in those moments? How do we overcome that? How do we overcome anything? Right? Prayer. Right? Blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Right? You know, it's, 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 maybe it's, well, it, for sure it's keeping our mouth shut. Right? Being slow to speak, let our words be few in those moments. But I totally agree with Colette. Talk to God rather than others. Because we have two tendencies. We're going to take it out on the person that just stated, did whatever they did. Or we're just going to go over and tell these people all about it and how terrible they are. Rather, let's go to the Lord and get his heart and perspective on it because our heart's been poisoned for a moment. We've been bitten by the serpent, so to speak. And we need to let him extract that poison out before we have any perspective on this moment. Does that make sense? And, and let's remember what Philippians, I'm sorry, what Proverbs 15, 1 says. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Is that true? Is it easy to be soft-spoken in the midst of hatred and abuse? Absolutely. So uh, to me, that requires some space. Maybe who needs to take a time out is me, Right? It is so important to listen to the spirit in this moment rather than to our flesh and our feelings, even our own thoughts. Our self-talk gets very critical and judgmental in these scenarios, and we wander into stinking thinking. Often that requires a timeout. So let's look at this passage. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, if we really understand what's going on here, what it's talking about, what does it mean he set his face towards Jerusalem? This is a, this is a way that, that it's speaking about resolve. It's talking about he is committed to the course. He is, he is he's, he's directed to God's directives. He's, he's obedient to the Father. He's going to finish the mission fully. Like he's not, he's not naive to what, what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And yet, as, as, as it gets close... That's where he's going. Why? 
Hebrews 12 tells us for the joy set before him, right? So let me, before I look at this passage, let me, let me make this comment. Our Lord Jesus was walking out the father's plan and knew his sacrificial death awaited him in Jerusalem. He was resolute and committed to his willing sacrifice to save you, to save the world. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, referring to the Faith Hall of Fame in chapter 11, let us also lay aside every weight, anything that holds us back from God's plan and purpose and will and desire, and the sin that that, that clings so closely, and let us run, please hear this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's what Jesus was doing. He was running the race with endurance, endurance that, that was set before him. And for us, we need to look to Jesus as the, as the firstborn, as the, the forerunner, as the one that set the mode and the example, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. And this is the challenge that Paul puts before us. Consider him, speaking of Christ Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you do not grow weary and faint-hearted in your similar approach of love. Right? Like, it's so important that we see that he ran his race. And that race had implications, significant implications on your life. And he set the example for us. And I also love that one of the things we see in this, in this first verse is, as the day draws near, we should also be resolute, knowing that the fields are white. Does that make sense? As the days drew near, right, for his what? What does it say? For his, for him to be taken up. Guys, do, do, you, do you feel like the days are getting near for our, for our taking up? right? Should we not be more resolute in this time? Should we not be more ambitious for God's will and for God's mission to be realized and his, his unique plan for your life to be realized? And let's, let's be clear. The plan is this. Go into all nations, right? Go, baptize, right? Make disciples, be witnesses. This is why we're empowered, Acts 1.8 says. Luke uh, 9, 52 and 53, as we continue through the text says, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the, the village of the Samaritans to make preparation for him. But the people did not receive him. Now, guys, when I was preparing for this, that leapt off the page for me. Guys, it's amazing that people will reject the rescue of God himself because of trivial things like prejudice. They didn't receive him simply because of of heretical judgment. Right? Man, think about what's getting in the way here and and the consequences of that. Now, the good news is we see later on in Acts that that, that Philip has an amazing ministry here, that seeds were planted you know, in Sikar, in chapter 4 of John, we see seeds were planted that were harvested later. Many, many priests became obedient to the faith. You know, that, that this is glorious, but, but it's so sad to see that people rejected the Savior of the world simply because of 
his background, his culture, his, wow. And, and I, I, I think there's something to be learned there, that these things can cause hindrance in our witness because his face was set towards Jerusalem. So it's that, to me, it sounds like the ministry of John the Baptist. And the question we need to ask is, how do we prepare the way for Jesus? How do we prepare the way for Jesus? Because, yeah, I'm sure they were going in and setting up, you know, uh, logistics, you know, for the ministry. But I think it's bigger than that. And I think we have to acknowledge that, that really it's more about preparing hearts than it is about preparing beds and homes and places to eat. And uh, that's exactly what the prophet said about John the Baptist's ministry. Every, every low place will be brought up and every high place will be brought. That's talking about people's hearts and humility. So does Jesus share the prejudice of the Jews and Samaritans? Prejudgment hinders the gospel. We have to acknowledge that. Do you need to ask the Lord for help and healing in this area? Do do you struggle with ancestral prejudice? Is there a, is there a place in your heart that there's some 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 culture or some people or some race that maybe has offended you or you have just grown up in your own paradigm to have ill feelings towards and maybe you don't even know why? Would you ask the Lord to heal that so that because the truth is God wants to use you to reach the least the last and the lost from all nations. We need to build bridges, not dams, right? We need to build bridges in relationships, not dams. And what I'm talking about is political parties, right? Sports teams, college affinities or hatreds or rivalries. Man, you know, there, there is so much opportunity to have, to have some affinity for a certain thing uh, based on your preferences, and some of those might be might be righteous, but when we when we hang on to those things at, in order to be at odds with another, it, there's no benefit to the kingdom. There's no benefit to the gospel. We need to build bridges and not dams. You know the statement. You've you've probably stated it as a as a member of this wonderful country. Um, divided we. United we, right? United we stand, divided we fall. Jesus said it in his own words. He said, man, if, if I'm with him, if I'm with him, if I'm with the bad guy, you know, a, a house divided cannot stand, right? And, uh, and that speaks here. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, um, in a previous message, we, were, we, we, we come to understand in, uh, in the same chapter, in chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus kind of prepared them for uh, facing ridicule, rejection, all of that. And he told them, like, when you face, not if, but when you face rejection for my sake, that you are meant to dust the, the feet, the, the, the dust off of your feet, right? Like you're, you just turn and walk away from that scenario. But James and John wanted to go a step or two further than that, right? <laughs> I mean, They took it to a different extent. Let's see what it says in verse 54. It says, And when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Well, apparently these brothers had enough love and loyalty for Jesus that they wanted to retaliate. And they thought they had enough faith that they could actually do this. 
right? I mean, it's, it, I mean, you got to commend the fact that they 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 realize that Jesus is God, and this can be this can be accomplished. But it's completely at odds with what Christ is looking, and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us now, if we're willing to listen. If we're willing to, 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 to lay aside our feelings, but if we get wrapped up, here's the danger, guys. Please hear this. When we start opening our mouths and start talking, like we start saying things, that stinking thinking starts coming, that critical judgmental nature starts coming out of our, you know who gets reinforced by that, by those words? We do. Those words just, all they do is reinforce the very thing that our nature wants to do. The challenge is, is to, is to be quiet and to be still and listen for that still small voice. Listen. We see this with the Psalms, right? David often starts a Psalm off like, kill him, God, kill him. You know, like, and, and, uh, and, but he, but it ends once he's able to process his emotions through prayer and really get the right perspective. It turns to, but God, you are glorious and you are amazing. I can trust you. You're my rock. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. And so I, I want to just read some closing thoughts that I had that I want to share with you. When feeling rejected or despised, it is natural to feel like retaliating. That's natural. Remember that judgment belongs to the Lord. Do not expect him to use his might to carry out your personal crusades. Our response must not be anger or hostility. These attitudes steal our joy, damage our hearts, and alienate unbelievers. Instead, our response should be to love, bless, do good when and where we can. And when we are rejected, we just move on to the very next open door. Finally, we do not know what's in our heart before God. Sometimes we are filled with vengeance, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, and we don't even understand the heart of the Lord, especially in these moments. People often just want us to fight, or we often want to fight for our own rights or to seek justice for ourselves. But we don't understand that God's will always requires or desires sacrifice and to save. This text finishes with, but he turned and rebuked them for this attitude, which I think was depicted beautifully in the, in that piece. And then they went on to the next village, which was, was him modeling what he said in verse five about dusting your, you know, the, the dust off your feet. So I, I don't want to finish without saying one of the best observations I think the Lord gave me in this as at the end of preparation is who 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 is the two that is who's the who's the sons of thunder? James and John. This is John the beloved disciple. Right? This is not a this is not an ideal moment for him in his resume, right? But but here's the truth. When we think about who wrote first John and second John and third John, and we think about the gospel of John and we see the heart, this guy, all he talks about is love. Right? He's been transformed. Like, and so I want to tell you, there's two things that are challenging about this. People change. Join God in that. You change. Join God in that. And what's the catalyst of that change? 
It is repentance and forgiveness. And guys, the only one that grows bitter when you choose to have a bitter posture and seek all of those that... I mean, we have a term that we use in our culture. I hope you go to... It's not a different statement than what they're making. Man, we have to understand God's way works. And we're all in need of grace and that change that only he can bring. I, I, I want to read this, this final two passages for you. Listen to what this says. Take this in. This is Romans 12, 17 to 19. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Can I say that again? Never avenge yourself, but leave room or leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then here it is. Don't miss this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Proverbs 20, 22 says, what? You know, this is what it says. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, you were not distracted by any setbacks or obstacles placed before you. I pray that you would ignite our our hearts, that you would uh, set us aflame with your steadfast spirit so that we may follow you to the very end. Lord, not if, but when we are rejected, We can be consumed with our feelings of anger and revenge. Help us not to give in to these feelings. Instead, Lord, help us to turn away and move on as you did. Let the logic, the logic of my head be tempered by the compassion of your heart, Lord. So Father, teach us today what it means to love our enemies, to pray for those that persecute you, to show kindness and not hatred. Deal with our hearts if there is any prejudice in us that would limit the the bridge of your gospel being realized in the hearts of those that we might not know or agree with. Open our hearts for change, Lord. You alone can do it. And we put our hearts in, in your hands today for this work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.